0: is faithful and he will do it again for us let's be seated now you must have heard about the fruits of the spirit anyone has heard about fruits of the spirit or read about it yes so it starts with saying the fruits of the spirit is love joy peace Patience, and then we forget the rest. Because after patience, you have no other patience to memorize the rest. See if societies are to thrive, it must have some sort of virtues, ethics, morals. And the hardest of that virtues to develop is patience. Especially when you want it fast and now. Question is how patient are you? Tell the person next to you I'm patient. Is it? It's We're going to try it. that. We're going to see, see if you're patient. <laughs> <laughs> I we will assume, assume that most, most of us aren't patient. patient. This is one, one of the of areas also that I'm trying to develop myself because I am not patient. patient. I, grew I grew up, up uh, with a father who worked abroad, worked abroad, abroad for many, many years, years in, in the, the Middle East, East, and I understand the concept of a balikbayan box. Who among you do balikbayan? All right? Okay. So a balikbayan box is a big sort of box where you put chocolates, candies, things, toys, shoes, clothes, and then you ship it to back to the Philippines from wherever you are. It takes about two to three months, sometimes more, before it reaches the Philippines. I have no way to compare how long it took when I was growing up. And so I'm just happy that at the end of the year, Christmas, I have something to eat and to wear. I have no comparison whatsoever. For me, Waiting is is not really waiting. It's just that, you know, I know know it's it's coming. But nowadays, waiting for that long is considered an agony. Amazon Prime started with Amazon Prime, which is a two-day delivery. So you go to the website, you choose your item, you click on it, and you pay via credit card. And after two days, you get what you wanted. two days. And it seems like people still find it slow. To to wait wait for for two days. days. So So Amazon Prime provides provides a one-day delivery. All good and dandy. But But then, some people are not happy. So Amazon Prime had this bright idea. idea. They They came up with with a two-hour delivery for groceries. groceries. And you you would would think think that people people will be happy. happy. But But some some people people are still not happy. Crazy thing, Amazon Amazon came up with this more crazier, crazier crazier idea. idea. One One hour hour delivery. (laughs) This is crazy. One hour hour delivery, delivery, but but with an additional of eight dollars for price, you will get what you want want in less than one hour. This is amazing. Now, talk about about patience. My My family and I love to eat pasta, pasta, especially my daughter. So So whenever we asked her what do you want to eat for dinner or for lunch, she would say pasta. Okay, we're gonna cook pasta. And when she knows that I'm preparing she would sit across where I was preparing, and she would say, Papa, pasta is yummy. I want it now, 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 with the, you know, with the hand on the table. Now, now, now. And no matter how clever I explained it to her that it takes time for me to make it yummy, she would always say, Papa, pasta is yummy. I want it now, now, now. And I was kind of reflecting on this. I was preparing the sermon, and I realized that the older we get, Uh, the the more more patient we become, not not because we become become slower, but but because we understand understand that that good things take time. But when when we we were younger, we were impatient. We were the exact opposite. We don't want to wait. We We cannot imagine why why we have to wait. wait. Joshua 21 is the perfect chapter to explain the idea of waiting for God. Let me read you a couple of verses from Joshua 21, verses 1 to 3. It says, Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came to Eleazar the priest, and to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And they said to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, The Lord commanded through Moses that we be given cities to dwell in, along with their pasture lands for our livestock. So by the command of the Lord, the people of Israel gave to the Levites the following cities and pasture lands, Out of their inheritance now this is a almost climax to the book of joshua we're almost nearing the end of the book of joshua and chapter 21 is when the levites would like to have their inheritance now to those of you are not familiar with the bible uh there's this one story of this one nation called israel god rescued them from slavery in egypt made them cross the red sea but they were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years because of so many disobediences that they did But afterwards, God allowed them to enter the promised land. Finally, after seven years of struggling and fighting against the inhabitants of the land, they were able to settle in. All of the tribes, the 11 tribes of of Israel, were given their own inheritance, except for the tribe of Levi. Because even before they entered uh, Canaan, God said that the Levites will not not be be given given any inheritance because because they will become become priests priests of God. God. And as As priests priests for the whole nation of Israel, they will will not be be given inheritance. Instead, they they will be be given given cities with pasture lands. lands. Cities Cities with with pasture lands. lands. Now, this this is very precise. Cities with with pasture lands. lands. If If you you go go to chapter 21 of Joshua Joshua, and you count count the words pasture lands, it's mentioned 51 times. That's how important it is. Very precise, 51 times, pasture lands. And why will they be given pasture lands? The pasture lands will be given because they, they will have livestock. They are not allowed in this way, by implication, they are not allowed to have any other profession other than raising their livestock. Why? Because their first priority is to serve in the tabernacle or in the temples uh, uh, in the future, only to serve there as full-time ministers of God. It's It's more like like pastors and missionaries who are in full-time ministry. They're not allowed to moonlight as lawyers or policemen or firemen. They must concentrate on the task that God has given to them. And as priests for the whole nation, they are allowed cities to dwell in with pastoral land so that they can have their livestock be fed. Now, what's interesting here is that It took 45 years before God finally fulfilled this promise, the Levites, After 45 years, it's only when they said, we are already settled. Give us the cities for pasture lands. But it took them 45 years in the making. And you might be wondering at this point, the questions are, is God slow? Because it took them 45 years. Was there any delay? What's the reason for the wait? So, the majority of the chapter gives us details to the cities and their exact locations. So, So if you go to chapter 21, after verse 3, you go to all the verses until you reach verse 41, you would find cities and names and numbers of Levites who were given specific lands and cities. And like I mentioned, it's 51 times the pastor were mentioned. But But at at the the very bottom bottom of this this chapter in verse 41, let me read this this to you. This this is very interesting. This is is sort sort of summary for chapter 21. It says, The cities of the the Levites in the midst of the possession of the people of of Israel were in all 48 cities with their pastoral lands. Last week we talked about the six of them, which were designed as uh, cities of refuge. Verse 44 says, And the Lord gave them rest on every side, Just as he had sworn to their fathers, not one of their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given them all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Let me say that again. All came to pass. All the promises of God. All the good promises of God. Hooray! But there's still this one thing that I cannot understand as well when I was reading this. Why did it take God 45 years before he fulfilled his promise? If you're thinking God is wise, it is good, and therefore he will do what he promised, why did God still make them wait? So I'm thinking in terms of what we are experiencing right now, you might be praying for something until now. And you know that this prayer item that you're praying for, is not something that's really hard, because nothing is impossible for God, but God. And yet, God has not answered you yet. So the question is, why is God making you wait? Maybe you're, you're praying for a loved one who has not yet known the Lord, and you want him to be saved. Maybe you're praying for a sickness that been, you've been experiencing in your body for a long time, and you're praying for healing. And God seemed to be quiet. Why is there such a wait? Why does God have to make us wait? Now, this wait... Makes, makes us think, think about, about many things. Sometimes, sometimes when, when we, we wait, and when, when we, we get, get frustrated, frustrated at waiting, sometimes, sometimes we fall into thinking that maybe, that maybe it doesn't, doesn't really, really matter, matter to God what I pray. pray. Maybe, maybe this, this prayer item is something that God, God is not is interested in. Or, it's, it's also, also possible, possible that, that when we, we get, get disappointed, disappointed because of this prayer item has not been answered yet, yet we blame, blame ourselves for not being good enough enough or that being devoted enough because we think that this prayer must be some kind of reward. But here's the thing, when we pray and ask on the basis of doing good enough, we operate on the idea that answered prayer is a reward. See, answered prayer is not supposed to be a reward for doing what is good and what is right. Therefore, what it means is that the more we do for God, the more we expect something from Him. That means when we do that, we treat God as nothing more than a vending machine. What this means is that, that we, when we give more time, more money, more talent in the ministry, we expect that God would just give us answers to our prayers. But that is a reward. And when He doesn't answer, we get confused. But you see, if God is wise and he's good, he knows what is best for you. And therefore, like a good father, he will always say no. If he thinks that this will not be good for you or the timing is off, he will say no. See, I train my daughter uh, by not giving her sweet rewards. I don't give her sweet treats because I always say that it's bad for her. But she would say, Papa, ice cream and french fries are yummy. I know they're yummy, but they're not good for your developing brain. I'd always say that. Because I'm a good father, and I, think to think, I tend to think that I'm a good father, so I would not give it to her, even if she insists or even if she cries. So if God is a good father, she would not, he would not give something that he thinks is not really good for us at that moment. Because, again, God is a good father. You see, some promises are conditional to our obedience. Some are not. I get, I get that. that. But, but the confusion, confusion happens when we are not able to distinguish which promises are for us and which promises, promises are not for us. Now, if you've been reading your, your Bible, according to scholars, there are about 4,000 plus promises all throughout Genesis all the way to Revelation. Now, the trick is to find which ones are for us and what, which ones are not for us. That's a trick. But let me give you an example. This is is very uh, simple. In, In Matthew, Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three, 33 it says, "For, For God, God so, loved so loved the world." world. Nobody's that's reacting. Right. No, no, that's, that's John. John. <laughs> all right, For Matthew six thirty-three. Seek ye first the, the kingdom, kingdom of, of God, God. Don't, don't forget, and forget, and His righteousness, and, and all these things shall be added unto you. you. Now no, that's good. Perfect. perfect. Pastor, I like like that that verse. It's my My favorite favorite verse because Because every time time I pray, I'd always uh, go to that uh, verse and I would speak speak back back to God and say, God, you promised me if I prioritize you, you will give what 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 I need. That's good. good. But But, there's there's this catch, and all these things shall be added unto you. These things, if you put that in context, has nothing to do with with what what you want. It's, it's all, all to do with, with what, what you need. Because, because in the context, it's talking it's about food, clothing, and shelter. And shelter. It's, it's about needs, not, not wants. wants. Say it with me. Needs. Now, for First, some, of course, of that's, uh, objectionable. that's objectionable. What is a need? <laughs> <laughs> now, we're, we're not, not talking, talking about wants or extras. We're, we're talking about needs. needs. And Jesus, Jesus was very specific to the, the needs, needs, not wants. And therefore, and therefore, you cannot say, God, you promised me this and that, when for, in fact, it's clear in the Bible in Matthew chapter 6, the context the is about food, clothing, and shelter, basic, shelter, basic needs. Let's take it even clearer, make it the clear. Way, the immediate passage, if you go to Matthew chapter 6, deals with a prayer, a prayer that, that Jesus taught us. It starts with, with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, kingdom come, your will be done on earth, heaven." And the following prayer is very telling, Give us this day our daily bread. Repeat after me. This day, our daily bread. Not tomorrow's daily bread. Not next week's daily bread. Not next month's daily bread. It's this day, daily bread. See, the problem, I think, is that when we ask for this prayer, we're asking for tomorrow's daily bread. Because we don't want to pray every day. We want to pray for the whole week. Lord, give us the whole whole week's daily bread, so so that I don't have have to pray pray every day. But it doesn't doesn't work work that that way. way. Jesus Jesus taught us to to pray pray this day our daily bread. bread. That's exactly why, because he wants wants us to rely on him every day. day. Trusting in God is every day. It's every day. day. The problem problem is is that that if we disregard this prayer, prayer, it is because because we we want want to secure secure our future by by asking in advance, because either we don't want to pray every day, Or we just just don't don't want to worry worry about about it and get on with our lives. You see, but if food is a a daily daily necessity, then therefore prayer also is like like food. Shouldn't we we be asking asking for food food every day? Shouldn't shouldn't we be be trusting trusting God for for everything every day? This is exactly the point of the the manna manna in the Old Testament. See, when when the people people crossed the Red Sea, sea, they were were stuck stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. And they have no way to plant because it's a desert. They have no way, there's no Costco, no BJ's, no Sam's Club, nowhere to buy food. They will have to rely on God to give them every day. So God decided to bring manna every day from the heaven. Every morning, there's manna falling from the sky. They call it sky flakes. Sky from the sky, flakes, sky flakes. But manna is literally, what is it? So when the people were looking at, You know, the heaven heaven and and the sunflakes coming from from heaven. heaven. What What is it? What is is it? In Hebrew, it's manna. Mana. What What is is it? (laughs) And then then they they realize it's food. food. So when they they gather gather the the food food, and they they cook cook it, it becomes bread. God supplies supplies them food food every every day for 40 years. And why why does God God have to give them every day? Because he's teaching them to trust him every day. And the instruction is to only gather manna enough for the day. But some, but some people, people didn't want it, so, so they gather, gather more than for more than for one day. At the end, end of the day, it's spoiled. Now they, they know that they will only have to gather for each day. day. And on, the, and on the, the sixth day, God will give, God give twice so that on the, the seventh day, day they, they don't, don't have to gather anymore. It's Sabbath day. day. This is the, the point, point of manna so that they can trust God every day. I think it's the same way when we pray the Lord's Prayer, Give us this day our daily bread we're praying for this day. But you see, it's kind of difficult difficult for us to pray because Because we we already already stuff our fridge with food that that can can last last for months and our our cupboards are filled filled with food that that can can last last for years. It's It's hard to pray pray that, give us us this day our daily bread. bread. But you see, in the the Old 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 Testament, Testament, literally, they're praying for God every day because they don't have food every day. The disciples of Jesus didn't have, they all resigned from their jobs. And they have, they have to, to trust, trust God every day. day. That's, That's why, why they can, can pray, pray it literally. literally. Give, Give us, us this day, our daily bread. See, See the, the problem, problem is, is that in the desert, when, when they, they get, get manna every day, sometimes they get, get tired, tired of, of eating manna. They get tired of, of eating what, what is it. it. And, and so, so they, they try, try to, remember to remember their food in, in Egypt. Egypt. So, so they, they start remembering hummus and baba and falafel and shawarma. And they say, God, we want some meat. See, See, this is a problem in the wilderness. wilderness. So, So, you you know, when when they they start start doing that, they they would rebel and complain and and blame God. And so So God God would give them occasional meats, But afterwards, Afterwards, God God would also punish them them when telling them them that it's it's not not right to complain. complain. See, when When God God promised, promised, he promised to meet our needs. In the book of Philippians, Apostle Paul said that. And God will meet all your needs, not your wants. Now, I may be opinionated, uh, but don't hate me for saying this, but Laura Piana, Hermes, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Gucci are not needs. They're wants. Now, Now, if you have it and you can afford it, God bless you. But if you cannot afford it, it's not a want. Sorry, it's not a need. It's a want. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. God didn't promise us those things. Okay. Some people equate happiness with things, and that means by having more money, making purchases, going on sales, we tend to condition ourselves by thinking that we will be happy when we have those things. See, consumerism has conditioned us to think that when we have more, then we will be happy. But it's a lie. You're not happy when you have things. You get excited when you have things. You're not happy because happiness and excitement are two different things. See, when we operate based on reward, our brain produces a hormone or a neurotransmitter we call dopamine. That sound familiar? Dope? Dopamine? The feeling of excitement every time we buy new things, eat at new restaurants. When you post something on Facebook and you get likes, 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 that's dopamine, excitement, dopamine. See? It's, it's not, not about happiness, it's, it's dopamine. That's, that's why, why when you, you get, get, get a hit, you get, get to, repeat to repeat the process. Dopamine is very addictive. Dopamine is why, why addicts keep on gambling. On gambling. That that's why, that's that's why, why addicts, addicts keep, keep on, on drinking. Addicts, addicts keep, keep on doing on drugs. Dopamine is also the reason why you keep on, keep on using your cell phone every 10 seconds. Using your cell phone is addictive.
1: The main reason...
0: I think for disappointments in prayer, the main reason why we cannot wait is because our dopamine receptors have been accustomed to quick and instant gratification. We want it, just like my daughter, now, now, now. See, it's not God is slow. It's just that we aren't patient enough. Let me go back to Joshua 21. It says from the very bottom, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. All came to pass. It doesn't matter if it took 45 years for God to fulfill the promise. It all came to pass. And if this is still true, even today, that God is still faithful and God still fulfilled his promises, then it means that when God promised, he will fulfill. The problem is that we guys are not eternal. Now, there's a new movie, Marvel movies movie, it's called Eternals. These people don't die. They're eternals. No, we're not eternals. We have expired dates. Our kidneys and our hearts and our lungs have expired dates. You know it. Every time you wake up in the morning, you know you're aging, right? Now, this week, I hurt myself while sleeping. I got leg cramps. And I realized I'm not young anymore. And so I was limping the following day because it, it, it's, it really hurts. We are getting old. The The reason reason why we we feel every moment of waiting is because we're not eternal. We're not like God. God God is something else. Let me direct your attention to Hebrews chapter 11. 11. This This is very very interesting. interesting. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. But let's say this. So the book of Hebrews chapter 11 starts with verse 1. It talks about faith. And it talks about people who had enormous amount of faith. So it, it mentioned Abel and Abraham, you know, and Noah—I mean, great men of faith. But then, at verse in verse 13, it says, "These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth." These men are great; they had faith, but they did not to receive what was promised. Does that mean that God was slow? Does that mean God failed? Does that mean? There's an accident that something that happened somewhere. Why did they not get what was promised? See, these people prayed. These people acted in faith. These people waited, and yet they died without having to receive the promise. But it says here that with the eyes of faith, they sort of saw the fulfillment from afar. And their contentment was not based on dopamine rewards. Their patience was attributed to their faith. Trusting In what they couldn't see, hoping for answers from God, who never lied. That is the ultimate guarantee of waiting for the promise. And then it mentions some more names, like Barak and Jephthah and Samson, all men of faith. But then it says in verse 39, And all these, all the names, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. It's not only them, but all the people in the Old Testament did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, who's the us? It's us. We, the Christians, the followers of Jesus. We are the us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What is this saying? What is this? What this is saying is that God is making all things new, God is repairing the world. But it takes time. See, God made the world in six days. It's not instantaneous. It's six days. It took time. And then at the end of six days, the scripture says it was very good. Other word for that is it is perfect. It's very good. It's perfect. perfect. But it took God some time to finish his project, including us, mankind. But then in Genesis chapter 3, the story took a turn. Humankind disobeyed, and so everything was ruined. What God worked for six days, mankind ruined it. So when you start reading from Genesis chapter four and onwards, you get confused. What are all these things? Let me summarize the Bible for you. This is easy. Okay. Genesis one and two is God establishing and creating his kingdom. That's all good. Genesis chapter three is when there was a coup d'etat. The serpent, the man, and the woman had a conspiracy. They rebelled against God. They were kicked out of Eden. Genesis chapter four, all the way to the book of Revelation. Is God re-establishing, God re-establishing his kingdom? All oh, good? That's a good, good summary. summary. So, so Genesis 1 and 2, Genesis 3, Genesis 4, 4, Genesis 4, all the way to Revelation. Whatever story that you hear, whatever story that you read, it's all about God re-establishing his kingdom. So the book of the Gospels are about Jesus re-establishing his kingdom. And it, it takes time to develop a good thing. We are part of this history where we either work for the kingdom or against the kingdom. Again, let me say this. God's not low, slow. God is methodical. He's patient. He's like a chess master who's trying to put pieces in places in critical positions so that when he attacks, it's easier for him to do so. God is, is all-knowing. God is, God is so good that he can do this, but it takes time. You know, this funny thing, because because after after Jesus resurrected resurrected from the the dead, dead, two two decades decades after, the unbelievers unbelievers are asking, asking, where's Jesus? Jesus? Why Why is that? Because Because when when Jesus, before he went up to heaven, heaven, he said, I'll "I'll be back. back. Like Like John, John, who's that guy? The general. The general general who said, said, I'll "I'll be back. Okay? Uh, Of Of course, course, our Lord Schwarzenegger also says that. I'll be back. But Jesus also said, I'll be back. So that's why when we take the Lord's Supper every month, At the very end, we say Maranatha, which means may God, may Jesus come come back soon. Maranatha. So the the unbelievers, after two decades, were asking, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Didn't he promise to come back? Where is he? Until now, Jesus has not come back. It's like in the days of Noah, when Noah was building the ark for 100 years, people keep asking now, maybe after 50 years, they've been asking, is this a monument or an ark? (laughs) Because it's been there for a long time. Where's the flood? Where's the rain? Just like, like people, people are asking, asking now, is, is it, it really true? true? Is Jesus really coming, coming back? back? So, so if he's, he's coming back, back, where is he? he? Now, very interestingly, this gives us, it, this, puts, this us puts us in a very, very difficult, difficult uh, position. position. And, and so, so Peter, Peter addressed, addressed this question, question in 2 Peter chapter, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Peter said this, But do not, do not overlook, overlook this one fact, beloved. That that with the Lord, Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Now, this is a metaphor. It's not really counting 1,000 days, 1,000 years.
1: The whole point is in verse 9. The Lord is not
0: slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. So if you're thinking, Lord, I'm praying for my loved one, for a friend, for a dear friend. To come to know the Lord and now, and still now you haven't answered the prayer. But this passage is saying is that God is being patient. God's not slow, He's just being patient. Because in everything there's a season. remember Ecclesiastes, there's a season. You cannot harvest when it's planting time. There must be a season, and God has to work also with season because He's the one who initiated the seasons. That's That's a big big picture. picture. But individually, God has designed our lives differently. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever wondered why of all people you carry the most burdens? Why of all people do you experience the most trials and most difficult storms? And it feels like I'm the middle child, Pastor. It's like I'm always sick. It's like I'm always heartbroken. It feels like Sometimes we tend to feel like this, like a middle child. Let me help you with this. Levi was a middle child. He's not the oldest. The oldest gets the double portion. He's not the youngest. He's not the favorite in the family. Levi was a middle child, so he, doesn't, he didn't get much attention. But there was was this one time the tribe of Levi grew and in the wilderness, the whole nation of Israel rebelled against God and the Levites stood for God. And because of standing for God, God said, I will choose you as the priest for the nation. That is your reward. That means you will not have any inheritance, but you will have me. That's very interesting. So if I was a Levite, I would think for standing for God, for being firm and faithful, I will have no inheritance. But God said, I will be given a portion of God. See, chapter 21 of Joshua talks about the cities of, with villages, sorry, sorry, cities with pasture lands, small villages that will be given to them instead of big patches of lands. Why? Because, again, God said, they will have no reward but God. This is a summary of what God promised to the faithfulness of the Levites in Numbers 18 verse 20. This is true for Aaron and true for the whole tribe of the Levites. He said, You shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. What, Jesus, what God is saying here is that they will have no inheritance whatsoever. God will be their inheritance. They will not receive anything, but they will have God. And this is a no-brainer because I choose God anytime. See, this is not a choice between a million dollars cash and a million dollars check. In fact, this is a choice between a million dollars cash and receiving a business that produces a million dollars every day. No-brainer. I would choose the latter, a million dollars every day. See, the Levites understood this. Even though they have no inheritance of their own, but they know that God is their inheritance. They were chosen as priests for the kingdom. That's their profession. And if there's one thing true about them, but it's also true for us, is that we share in their profession. We share in their calling. What are you saying, pastor? What I'm saying is that pastors are not the only ones called to the ministry. We are all called to the ministry. That's right. We are all called to the ministry. Now, Apostle Peter begins his letter in 1 Peter by addressing all the churches abroad. So he mentioned the churches in the seven churches in Asia Minor. But these churches were the ones that scattered abroad because of persecution. These churches are composed of Jews and Gentiles alike, they were scattered abroad because they were persecuted. Peter knew that only the Levites don't have the inheritance. Peter knew about this. And yet, when he wrote this letter, he said in verse 9, addressing to the Gentile and Jewish church, he said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What he's saying is that we, part of the church, even though Gentiles, we have now become a royal priesthood. We are priests for God. We are priests for the world. What that means is that you and I are priests for God. You and I share in this priestly calling. This is our calling. But the question is, what what is our inheritance? The Levites didn't get any inheritance. God is their inheritance. What is our inheritance? Now, I don't want to ruin your perfect Sunday. But make no mistake about it. Our calling is not all golden glitter. It's not all crown. The cross comes with our calling. That means when we suffer, when our friends abandon us, when we get sick, when our loved ones die unexpectedly, when we lose our jobs, when we suffer for the sake of Jesus, and still we remain faithful... Even these things happen, I kid you not. These are part of our calling. All these are part of our calling. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. It says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer griefs in all kinds of trials. What that means is that whatever trials or tests we are encountering right now, Whether it's sickness, a death of a loved one, a heartache, whatever that is, according to Apostle Peter, we are suffering that grief. But these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I don't know exactly what you're going through right now. You may be smiling from the outside, but inside you are hurting. And you probably is asking God, Lord, why me of all people? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Or why am I suffering? Why me of all people? But the truth is I don't have an answer for you because God did not give me an answer. You will have to ask God for that as you live. But there's this prayer in the book of Psalms. Asaph is a Levite. Asaph was installed by King David as the one in charge in the music in the temple. And he wrote Psalm 73, like a sort of prayer that we could also pray and relate. He started with this. He said, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Now, Now we know that God is good to us. Amen? God is good, even though we are facing trials. And then in Matthew chapter 5, you also read that blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. We are the blessed ones. We claim that. We are blessed. We are pure in heart. In verse 2 it says, but as for me, my my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I mean, he opened his eyes and looked around and he sees Why are the wicked prospering? Why am I suffering? He's saying what most of us are saying in secret. Why is life unfair? That's what he's trying to say. Why is life unfair? Why should life be unfair to me? Now towards the end of this prayer, he said this in verse 25. And I'd like us to really internalize this. He said, Whom I have in heaven but you. And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That is your inheritance. That is my inheritance. See, we may not be rich on this earth, but there is something that God has promised ahead for us, that we will have a place in His kingdom. This is our portion. This is our inheritance. Though we may suffer the trials now, but we know there's a big reward that's waiting for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again. None of your promises failed. And we can attest to that. It may take a while, but it will not fail because you are a good God, you're a wise God, You're a just God, and you have never lied. We can count on you, and we can count on the promises that you have given us. We can always remind ourselves to hope in you and to trust in you that you have never failed, and therefore you will do what you promised. Father, as we go through the trials of life, Father, I pray that you will strengthen our resolve Our hearts may fail, but But you give give us us the strength that we need to carry on. Father, remind us once again that we are in your care and that you are our portion forever. Amen.